The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, and entertain. You should start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT, only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth! You're doing that of your own free will. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive! So there isn't much you can do about it, Chowderhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe, and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking Are you ready? Let's get it on. On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. Uh, good evening and welcome to the Philosophia Perennis de Omine live classroom and chat room here tonight on the Crusade channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. This Tonight our classroom is live and open on my website at mikechurch.com. It is free of charge. It does not cost anything. Just scroll through the stories at the top of the page. And you will find uh, the Dominate or search for it in the search box or use the menu at the top of the page for latest. And then you'll see Philosophy of Prenentis. Click that. It'll be the top uh, selection, the Dominate homepage. We'll be joined by our instructor tonight, Brother Andre Marie, who is live at the St. Benedict Center in Richmond, New Hampshire. Tonight's Daomine will cover lecture number four out of 31 from St. Thomas Aquinas as delivered by Brother Francis Malouf back in the 1980s. If you'd like to get a copy of the digital form, the MP3 download or the CD of the course, then you can do so uh, by sending me an email. My email address, kingdude, K-I-N-G-D-U-D-E, at mikechurch.com, or sending one to Brother Andre Marie, who is hiding in much plain sight on the Internet. You can find him at uh, uh, Brother underscore Andre on the Twitter, Brother Andre Marie on the Facebook, and uh, with plain old email, you can reach out to him, bam, B-A-M, at Catholicism.org. Now, of course, I will uh, bring uh, Brother Andre Marie in, who will uh, be conducting our course study tonight, and of course, today is March the 1st, Wednesday, March the 1st, meaning... Uh, it is an Ash Wednesday for us here today in 2017. Brother A, a blessed Ash Wednesday to you. Thank you, Michael, and to you too. Yes, and uh, uh, as you were just telling me before we started, 
It uh, uh, never ceases to amaze how events somehow fall into a penitential form during the season of Lent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even, even those penances that you didn't plan, God sends you, he plans them and sends them to you. <laughs> and says, uh, even though you didn't intend to uh, have this, <laughs> even though you weren't planning on this penance, I was planning on it for you. Yeah, but that's okay because it helps us to acquire good habits, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yes, uh, I must say that of the four lectures thus far, uh, I really enjoyed lecture number four. I listened to it twice today. So I am ready and uh, ready to receive the notes and ready to start the class. Brother, uh, take it away. Okay, so I, I just threw into the chat room um, the uh, the link, the Dropbox link to the notes. So it's there. We're on lecture four tonight. Um, so we're going to talk about habits, and I think it's important um, to define them. Now, Brother didn't actually give a definition of habit during the lecture, so I'm using the, the dictionary by uh, Father Bernard uh, Vullner, I guess you say his name. He was a Jesuit philosopher who, who put out a really good dictionary of scholastic philosophy. Um, he defines habit as a permanent quality, According to which subject is well, according to which a subject is well or badly disposed, in regard to either its being or its operations. Now he's got a second part to that after a semicolon, a relatively stable disposition of a living nature or power, inclining it rightly or wrongly to some perfection or end of its own being or of another being. So, I, ha I know that's a lot of words, but. A habit is a permanent or, or semi-permanent quality uh, that, that, that disposes something well or ill towards some end. So that, Brother Francis says that animal, brute animals don't have habits. In this lecture, he talks about how brute animals don't have habits, but we have habits. And um, uh, it, it, until you appreciate what a habit is, you might be inclined to think, no, no, my dog's got a habit. I mean, he, he's constantly doing this thing I don't like. You know, he's constantly whatever. He's constantly you know, getting, getting, escaping through the back door when he's not supposed to. He's constantly yep. getting into the, into, the, uh, into the pantry when he's not supposed to. That's not a habit. I mean, that's an act that he's doing based upon instinct, but it's not a habit. Um, so in, in dogs, they have power and brute animals, including dogs, they have powers and then they have acts of those powers. But in man, we have powers. We have those 26 powers that, that, that we all have. And then each one of those powers has certain acts that are proper to it. Uh, but in addition to acts and power and the powers, we have something that stands between them, and that is a habit. And when you talk about a moral habit that's good, that's a virtue. When we talk about a moral habit that's bad, that's a vice. So it's important that we have something that we understand, that we have a grasp of what a habit is. So there are acquired habits, and this is what we normally mean when we speak of habits. An acquired habit is something that's obtained by one's own activity, um, and it modifies the the it modifies the power. So let's let's think about how that works. Okay. So um, 
our intellect can be perfected by uh, by habits. So, for instance, uh, knowledge is is a habit of the intellect of the mind. You have the habit of knowing certain things. Uh, it's a quality of your of your mind that's more or less stable. It's per, or permanent, and it perfects that power. Uh, the word habit, by the way, comes from the Latin word for to have, habio habere, habitus. So it's something had. A habit is something had. That's the, that's the etymological, literal meaning of the word. So when we, because we have a, because we have it, it's called a habit. Okay. Now. It's not to be confused with habit, which is the the, uh, the the tenth category of Aristotle's ten categories. That kind of habit is something that's simply put on or put inside you. So something like your clothing, your vest, your jewelry, or something like that. That that would be habit in the loosest sense, which is one of Aristotle's ten categories. But the kind of habit we're talking about here fits under Aristotle's category of quality for instance when we talk about the the virtues say uh, the cardinal virtues of prudence justice fortitude and temperance those are good habits they're good qualities of the soul so it fits under that under that category of quality and the key thing about a habit is that it perfects a power that already exists. Actually, I shouldn't say it perfects it. Only if it's a virtue does it perfect it. The key thing about habit is that it orients a power that you already have. And there are different kinds of habits. Not all habits are virtues or vices. Those are those are habits in the realm of, of in in the moral domain. But you can speak of other kinds of habits as well. You can speak of intellectual habits. You know, somebody who's a mathematician has a habit of, uh, say, calculus. Somebody who's a somebody who's a theologian has the habit of theology. You might like like to think that it would make him a good person, but it, it doesn't necessarily. Because if his will is not good and, and, and he's acquiring virtue, then those ha- habits of his intellect aren't translating into the moral realm. Okay. So there are intellectual habits of knowledge, and St. Thomas also lists wisdom as a, as a virtue of the intellect. Uh, but then there are, um, most of what we call virtues, by the way, are really in the will. They're not in any other, they're not in any other power. But all of the powers of man have, ha- have you can attach certain habits to them, which will orient them either well or ill towards some object. So, and this goes to the body. This, this goes also to the body, and, and, and it goes to tra- training us in, in, in skills. Huh? So, uh, besides the moral habit of a virtue, we have skills like um, uh, the skills that a craftsman acquires, okay? The skills that an artisan acquires. Uh, say, a farrier. He has, he has a set of skills, all of which... Uh, are uh, oriented towards the making of uh, horseshoes. That's what farriers do, right? Um, all of the traditional crafts, and um, an artist, uh, a painter or sculptor, he, he has a skill, and all of those are habits. 
Craig Silverman's asking a question. Um, how uh, how would one classify an animal remembering where where their food is? Okay, so animals can learn, uh, and they have they have memory, and they have a sen the sense memory, which is localized in their brains, just like we have. Uh, their sense memory might be better than ours because we have an additional memory uh, in our intellect that's uh, that's that's super organic. Uh, and it's not localized in the brain; it's localized in the soul. It's power of the soul. Right. So the, uh, the so that's that that's how one would classify that. It's it's got nothing to do with a, a, a habit, brother. Um, uh, brother, quickly. Uh, yes. Uh, here on the uh, the Almaty classroom and chat room tonight. Uh, I was thinking, just thinking about this, and before I forgot it, you can circle back to it later if you'd like, but uh, in this lecture, there's a discussion about, uh, or Brother Francis kind of gets into the um, with these powers that we have, that only man has the potential, uh, his potential is infinite or, or, or unlimited. And uh, I was wondering, as I was listening, my family comes from, uh, and you're from New Orleans, from a thoroughbred racing f uh, uh, background. Uh, but horses, animals, uh, uh, are sometimes be, uh, you can train them so that they too can develop some one of their powers, I guess, to be able to run faster than another. How would you classify, or, or how would Brother classify that? Um, okay, so the power, the, 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 the horse has that power. Um, let's back up just a little bit, okay? Brother Francis talks about the habit. Brother Francis talks about how, and unlike animals, man has all these limbs and joints and uh, so forth that can be employed in a virtual infinity of ways. Man doesn't come with only one sort of pre predetermined skill set when he's born. Take a take a, a bird. A bird, when it reaches maturity, it knows how to build a nest. It doesn't have to practice; it just does it. Right, 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 right. The bird's wings are designed for certain purposes. And brother maybe oversimplified it when he said all wing all wings do is fly. I, I suppose they could do other things as <laughs> well. Um, they can move things if they want or, or whatever. But but. Practically speaking, he's right. I mean, that's what the wings are designed for, for flight. Um, and everything about the bird is predetermined for it to do the things that that particular breed of bird does, that particular species of bird does. Right. It's going to build, they're all going to build their nests alike. They're all going to build their, as Brother Francis says elsewhere, there's no such thing as a, as a Baroque style of beehive <laughs> as opposed to a Gothic beehive as opposed to, but with man, you know, we have these arms. Now, our arms can do all, and our hands, with the, with the tremendous dexterity that they've got, can do all sorts of things. They're not just predisposed to do so. If we had been brute animals, uh, we would perhaps just be, you know, hunting and eating or something with our hands, like, like uh, predators can use their claws and so forth to maul other animals and to kill their prey and, and eat it. But in our case, you could do everything from playing the playing fiddle to using a calculator to typing to playing a harpsichord <laughs> uh, to um, wh wh whittling sticks and using a bow and arrow 
um, you know, or strangling somebody. The, 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 there's a virtual infinity of things that you can do with your hands in a way that, that a, a brute animal cannot do with its limbs. And it's not simply the limit, the physical limit of the limbs, although that enters in because we have opposable thumbs and all that stuff. Right. But, but uh, it, it has to do with the quasi-infinite perfectibility of, of a man. You know, when a child is born, he could, if he had the right access to education and, and all that, he could be a lawyer or a doctor or a garbage man or a fisherman. He could be a, a great musician or, or he could acquire any number of skill sets, but he's not predisposed just to do, quote, man stuff like a bird is predisposed to do. You know, a duck is born, it does duck stuff. It's going to have no ambition to do something else. Duck stuff, I like that, brother. Yeah, duck stuff. So <laughs> the, the idea is that obviously some ducks are going to be able to swim faster than others. Some ducks are, you know, certain of the animals, uh, uh, you know, only one hippopotamus is going to, I think it's hippopotami once I saw a documentary on. Uh, they're, they're weird animals. And as much as this, when you have this um, herd of hippos, there's only one man only one male that breeds with all the females. So he like has to fight off all the other males and they eventually give up and only the alpha male breeds with all the females. Um, if it's not a hippo, please forgive me. It was, it's been a long time, but, uh, I think it's a hippo. Yeah. Okay, I saw the so same show. The hippo. Has, so obviously all hippos do hippo stuff, but, Certain hippos are stronger than others. They're more dominant. They, for whatever reasons, genetically or whatever. And I guess if they were fed right and put in put in the right uh, set of circumstances, they could they could be faster or stronger, or you know the muscles develop and all that stuff. And there's training. I mean, there's no doubt that a dog can be trained, but it's not acquiring habits. It's only doing stuff that's instinctive to a dog. And, you know, horses are capable of running. Um, I mean, arguably, they're not, they're not meant to be run. They're not meant to run as much as they are run. And that's some people say that the sport is cruel. <laughs> but, um, you know, greyhounds, you know, are very fast dogs. Uh, so they have, this, they have this natural capacity for running. And, you know, when they, have the, when they release that crazy fake rabbit or whatever they do at a greyhound race, all of the greyhounds instinctively run after the thing, and one of them wins. I don't think he even realizes he won. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not being congratulated. His, uh, his, his, his boss is, the guy that he works for is, you know, being congratulated, not him. So there's, they're only being there's, they're going to be born with a certain capacity to do that stuff, but you know you can't take a horse and train him to do something else where he's going to acquire a whole different set of habits. He can't acquire those habits. He's only going to be able to do horse stuff. He he could one horse could be better at running or or uh, uh, say carrying a load. You've also got draft horses and, and work horses, Clydesdales. You know the. Budweiser Clydesdales. Sure. Some of those some of those brutes are going to be stronger than the others, but that has to do with the, the difference between one horse and another. They're not acquiring habits. They're simply um, getting, getting 
stronger muscles or whatever are being fed differently, or perhaps this horse versus that horse is predisposed genetically to be faster. This is the uh, Dahomey classroom and chat room here, live on the Crusade channel. King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. We invite you to listen to our radio station. It is a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week radio station here on the Crusade channel. Our app is free and very easy to find in the iTunes Store or in the Google Play Store for Android devices. You can download the app and uh, listen to the free stream. Again, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you miss any of the previous episodes of Dahomey, they are all available on my website at mikechurch, M-I-K-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. At the top of any page, if you click that link that says Catholicism, the subcategory is Philosophia Perennis, click that, and that will take you directly to every episode of uh, Domine. We've had three so far. All three audio sessions are available. The podcast feed, uh, you, can, you can subscribe to the podcast feed right there on any of those pages. It is free. There's no membership required. All that is required is a podcast or RSS reader. Brother, uh, I hope that we are going to have a new episode of the uh, the uh, Reconquest show on tonight. If not, then we'll get it up uh, on demand tomorrow morning, I'm sure. Uh, but what is on tonight's prospective Reconquest? It's uh, it's called Anatomy of a Hack Job. <laughs> um, I'm doing. It's all about. Um, a USA Today uh, story, so, sort of a pseudo expose on um, the church militant, the, the um, church militant, yep. exactly. I saw Michael Morrison, church militant. So, uh, funny thing is, shortly after I did that, um, we had a newspaper article in the local newspaper here, the Manchester Union Leader, about us, about St. Benedict Center. <laughs> And um, and and so it was not quite the hack job that was done on Michael Voris's organization. Actually, the journalist was trying to be fair, but unfortunately, that fair journalist uh, interviewed somebody who's not at all fair. But the the the, the compulsive malicious liars at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Oh God. So um, anyway, I have something like that about that on my website. But if you look at the uh, anatomy of a hack job link that I put up in the in the in the room there. That that's uh, that that'll show you what it's about. Yeah, brother. Uh, and if you noticed in the USA Today hack job story, uh, it was almost as though the authors of that story they wandered uh, into Voris's studio at Church Militant and saw a crucifix on the wall, and they went, "What is this strange crossed object here? And who is <laughs> who is this figure that is nailed to it? It, it was uh, it was the strangest thing." Because they would mention something about some um, uh, some habit or some tradition or some rite uh, from Catholicism that had been featured on a, a church militant episode, or uh, like even when they went into the little chapel that they have there, and yes. it was strange it, artifacts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> strange artifacts, as if uh, you've never heard of this thing called the Holy Roman Catholic Church, have you? Sir? Sort of like the Planet of the Apes. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only thing but, missing but, was the yeah. Statue of Liberty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like wandering into the. Well, gee, what, what, what manner of man dwelt here? What did they do? Yes, exactly. That's what I found. Uh, so, uh, just in 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 one instance, fascinating about it, and in the other, so disappointing. Like. Has the world really just separated itself that far from the church? 
Well, well, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you know, just just real quick, in less than a minute, the the the, the Donald Trump presidency has a lot of liberals hysterical, and they're running around with their hair on fire. And there are certain organizations, very wicked organizations, that profit from that. I mean, profit financially from that. Sure, sure. Because they say, oh, look, there's all this hate. We're going to expose hate groups. And you send us money and help us to expose hate groups so that we can end hate. That's right. They don't end hate. They just fuel it because they make liberals hate decent people. That's right. But they they make a lot of money. It's extremely lucrative. So the Southern Poverty Law Center, for instance, is filthy rich. They're worth millions, um, hundreds of millions. So th- this uh, anyway, th- th- this is this is what's going on. It's just it's the Trump presidency. It's hysterical <laughs> liberals being manipulated by uh, progressivists who are making money off of them, and unfortunately, all it's doing is furthering the cause of the balkanization of America and making genuine civil unrest something that's much more likely than it would have been if people had just you know. L- left each other alone. I mean, these liberals apparently don't want to leave each other alone. Don't want to leave people alone. They don't, they don't really want diversity. They want, they want a monopoly. Absolutely. And they, they they have a monopoly on outrage. Yeah. So, but, but uh, Mike, back to the subject. Jennifer Smathers has a great um, thing that she posted up here talking about, she she was glad that we we distinguished the the difference between animals and, and, and humans the way we did. And she said, so much better an explanation than what makes man is that we use tools. So the definition, you know, it used to be that what separates us from animals is that we use tools and animals don't. And then, of course, they find out that there's certain gorillas or other primates, I think some kind of monkeys, too, um, that can make tools and that, that, that can use tools. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we have, they, they have a lot of the... Uh, the abilities to use tools that we have some of the abilities to use tools that that we have and of course then then people were claiming well the difference between men and animals is that men can, can men have language and animals don't and then somebody points to the sounds and clicks and clacks and whatever of of a dolphin and there are other animals that can communicate using sounds i mean a duck hunter knows that good lord he can he can use his duck call to call ducks so obviously there's some kind of communication that goes on there. But what's, what, what really separates them is the immortal soul, the rational soul. And, the, the, and that rational soul is on display when man is capable of abstract reasoning, which animals will never be capable of. Man is capable of reflexive reasoning. He can think of himself. He can consider himself. And he can speak of the essences of things. All of that implies intelligence, and that ultimately is what separates us from from the animals. You could have it. You could have a, a, a higher, in theory, you could have a higher primate that was closer to man than any other existing primate that we know about. But if it doesn't have the rational soul, the the the, the resemblances are going to be much more accidental because it do, it just does not have the ability to engage in rational thought. To, to the ability to abstract and so forth. Um, I think those definitions that, that were given of what separates man from, from animals, those are primarily 19th century inventions uh, in, the, in the still nascent uh, physical sciences. Um, so in a sense, this was, this was a, a, a primitive science of probably somebody who wasn't any closer to being um, 
uh, or a, a Catholic or a religious or believing Christian than somebody like uh, Carl Sagan, because the, the 19th century was full of all kinds of anti-religious sentiment in the sciences. But we digress. It's, um, so, yeah, the, the, the real essence, the real essential difference between men and brute animals is the, is, the cap is the capacity for rational thought. And then, of course, we have to, we have to add on to that what follows from rational thought, and that is uh, a free will. Because unless you have uh, an intellect, uh, you cannot have a free will. But if you have an intellect, you'll have a free will. And we have both of those, intellect and will. And ultimately, those two of our 26 powers, those two powers are what sets us off from brute creation. So, I mean, if you look at it mathematically, you know, they, they talk about how, gee, if you look at the DNA of a gorilla and the DNA of a man, it's really, 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 really close. Well, if you look at the, the powers that, we, that Brother Francis lists, that he, that, he, that he distilled from the works of St. Thomas, the 26 powers that we've got. Right. All that separates us from all of the other brute animals is two, intellect and will. So they have most of what we've got. But that, but, but th 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 that is a big difference. <laughs> that, that too adds up to a lot more than, you know, um, it's, it's a, we're infinitely different than them because we're going to have, uh, we're going to live forever. And we have the capacity to reason and we have the capacity to choose the way that they cannot choose because they don't have a free will. So, um, and getting back to it, th there's a certain perfectibility about man. We can acquire virtues. We can acquire, sadly, vices. Um, and we can acquire skills. So, uh, so when we talk about, br Brother made one of his rare sports metaphors tonight. He sure did. Um, and the, the, he talked about what's valuable about sports. And, of course, there's all kinds of things that we can, there are virtues you can learn through sports. For instance, you can learn the, the necessity of practice and, therefore, of perseverance, of endurance, and so forth. But he also talks about how sports is teleological. Sports is purpose-driven. There's a clear, and I'm using the word deliberately, goal in sports. You have a goal, literally. You're trying to, you're trying to get the ball through this thing, or you're trying to get the, uh, you know, your guy running with the ball through that thing. And that's what scores a point. And, and again, it's, it's typically all these things start as military training. But the idea is it's purpose driven and you can you, you can draw, therefore, all kinds of similitudes, you know, metaphors and, and uh, uh, allegories and whatever from sports. And it carries over into the moral realm. In the sense that you can say, well, practice makes perfect. So you just as you acquire the skills that are necessary to be a good sportsman of whatever type, a swimmer, a, a, a basketball player, a football player, just as you have to practice to acquire those skills and to get good at it, um, so too, uh, uh, in the moral realm, you have to practice, you have to do acts that are proper to that virtue. So a quarterback, he's constantly going to be throwing. He's going to be practicing throwing to a guy, and they're going to do all these plays in, in their practice so that that guy can throw the ball right in, in these number of different possible combinations on the field. Um, you can carry that 
over into the moral realm and you say you do acts that are proper to prudence or justice or temperance or fortitude and that's how you acquire the virtue we're in Lent now so we're supposed to be eating a lot less and all that stuff so we're acquiring hopefully we'll all be by the end of Lent much more temperate so we will have acquired the cardinal virtue of temperance in a higher degree and you and how do you do that well practice 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 so it's like the guy on the street says, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the guy playing his sax on the street corner says, man, practice, practice, practice. That's how all habits are acquired. Whether you're a musician, a football player, a, a farrier, a, 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 a wood carver, uh, or a stonemason, or a, a, or, or a saint in the making trying to acquire virtues. This is the uh, so, this is the uh, Domine classroom chat room. Uh, you can join the chat room tonight at mikechurch.com. It's easy to find on the front page of my website, and you can also find all the previous three uh, chat room lecture audio recordings, where we review the each week's lecture and we go in sequence. Tonight we're reviewing Domine from Brother Francis Malouf, uh, lecture number four. And uh, our teacher tonight is, as he always is, Brother Andre Marie. Yes, Brother, please continue. Okay, so it's important. I just talked about how we can draw an analogy between skills and virtues. But I do have to make it plain that skills are not virtues. But what they have in common is that both are habits. So the acquisition of a habit... Um, is going to be similar when we talk about the acquisition, whether it's an intellectual habit, whether it's a, it's a, a habit of, uh, that's categorized as a skill, such as an athlete or a tradesman has, or uh, whether it's a, a good habit of soul, a good quality of soul that we call a virtue. There are going to be similarities in how they're acquired by repeated acts. But we, we don't want to make the mistake of saying that if you acquire such and such a skill, if you're a great athlete, if you're a great musician or whatever, that that is a virtue. That's not a virtue. You can be a great pianist and be a moral reprobate. You can be a great athlete and be a moral reprobate. You can be a great anything in the realm of skills and still lack the, the good habits that we call virtues. I mean, few people have absolutely no virtues, but, but uh, you know, when you take the, the, the whole complexus of virtues in somebody or the lack thereof and you say, well, he's a really good person or he's a really rotten person, it really does not relate to whether they have lots of skills or few skills. We, we can say, though, that somebody who is dedicated to his, uh, to his craft uh, and acquires the discipline that's necessary for it can can with effort try to apply those same moral lessons over in in the in the moral realm and this is why you can't you know coaches are constantly lecturing their boys or whatever about how you know you can be a good man if you carry over the lessons that you learn on the field into your daily life so uh, it, it needs to be made really clear that a skill is not a virtue, but both are habits. And to some degree, the same rules apply as far as how to acquire them. Namely, acts of that virtue or uh, of that skill 
repeated over and over and over. And what happens in a habit is the more you do it, the greater the habit is, um, uh, the more permanent it becomes in the soul. Mm -hmm. And it acts in the soul as if it were another power. So you have you have the power of soul, you have the powers of the soul that um, incline you or give you the ability, say, to be temperate. And but you're not going to be temperate if you stuff your face all the time, if you eat whenever you get envie for food or you 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 drink whenever um, you know you, you think it would be fun to drink. If you're constantly feeding and stuffing yourself however much you want until you get sick or something, that's that's a problem. And that's not going to make you temperate. That's going to make you intemperate. And instead of acquiring a virtue, you've acquired another habit, namely the opposite of a virtue, a vice. So it's, it's important to note that vices, just as virtues, are habits. Only a vice is a bad habit. So um, uh, this is this is important uh, to 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 get repeated acts of the virtue, strengthen the virtue. But once you've acquired the virtue, it acts in your soul as if it were a power. So when you do the act of say temperance, saying no to that second portion or saying no to that, you know, other piece of cake or whatever. When you do that habitually, you've acquired the virtue of temperance and it's going to be easy for you to do it again. So that's the whole nature of, of habits. That's the whole nature of acquired habits. Now, infused <clears throat> habits are a totally different thing. You know, faith, hope and charity, these supernatural uh, these are supernaturally infused virtues, and they operate differently. Um, but all the other virtues that we talk about, moral virtues, they are acquired, and uh, they are acquired in the same way as a skill is by practice. The difference is that a skill perfects you for some function that generally is for the help of other people, whereas a virtue perfects man in himself. And this is a, this is um, another one of those seemingly useless things about philosophy, is um, you know we talk about how liberal arts perfects a man in himself. It perfects a man as a free man. It, it gives him it gives him knowledge and abilities that a man should have if he's going to be a free man, not just a servant doing things for others. Um, Virtues also perfect a man in himself. And in fact, Brother Francis makes the point that education should have as one of its goals uh, the, 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 the acquisition of virtue, you know, the infusion, as it were, the, the aiding of the student in the acquiring of virtue. And he, he said how, you know, there are many schools that teach people to know things, but don't teach them to be good people. And uh, that should be part of education. Uh, Jazwell ask, asks, can humility be perfected in man? Absolutely. Humility is a virtue. And there are acts that are proper to the virtue of humility. And when it's practiced, then uh, the, the virtue is acquired. So... Um, 
you know, you can learn it from me in my book, you know, um, uh, Humility and how, how, how I Acquired It. Um, Mike, are you still with us? I am still here. Okay. I, I thought for sure you'd have given me a cheap laugh at that one. <coughs> uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, humility is a virtue. It's, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moral virtue, and um, it's, the, it's a virtue that disposes you to, to see yourself as you truly are and not to, not, not to exalt yourself falsely. And, it, and it, it's the very opposite of the vice of pride. So there's a perfect example. There's a perfect il illustration. Here's a concrete example. The, the vice of pride, which also happens to be a capital sin, and the virtue of humility. Um, if if you if you um, don't allow yourself to be puffed up by people's compliments, if you don't seek, you know, vain occasions to parade your 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 wonderfulness and be vainglorious, uh, you're acquiring the virtue of humility. Right. Uh, that, yeah. So there are different ways of, of showing pride, by the way, and it, it, some of it depends on your temperament. Um, outgoing people like Mike and me, uh, our pride would manifest itself by vainglory. But, you know, you might have some introverted person who just keeps silent all the time. Why? Because he doesn't want to embarrass himself. So his, so, so his pride is going to manifest itself in a certain sort of um, immoderate kind of uh, timidity and human respect. So, now, um, now, brother, I do have a question. Uh, yeah. Father Chad Ripperger does a does a series of uh, talks missions on habits and uh, what to do to try what's a good habit or what's a, what's a vice and what's a virtue. He explains the whole thing kind of like what you just did and what Brother does too. Um, he says that it takes six weeks to uh, break a bad habit and six weeks to learn a new one. Have you heard that? And and what's your what's your experience with that? I've never heard it, but I would trust Father Ripperger that he based it upon some very trustworthy source. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly, how long is six weeks? Six is six times seven. That's forty-two, right? It's Lind. <laughs> that's that's just thinking. I mean, I wonder if he bases it on that, or it might. I think what Father Ripperger would probably say if he heard me say that is, no, I didn't base it on that. God based. God based it on that, right? God based the, the forty day fast, which is by the way biblical. Um, uh, there were there were three people who who fasted forty days in the Bible. Um, so it's based upon that. God God based it upon human the human nature that He created, and we just simply observed it in the Bible. But it it sounds like it sounds it sounds reasonable. Yes. So I guess 30 days to thinner thighs isn't exactly the same approach to the acquisition of virtue. It's more like 42 days. And by the way, Lent <laughs> is 40 days, but yet it doesn't include Sundays, so it's a little longer. It's like more like 46 altogether. Yes, and if you're going without meat, it'll seem a lot longer. <laughs> yep, uh, and that's what we do, yep. <clears throat> So uh, the, uh, the, the Jennifer Smathers says, liberal arts, you can do many different things uh, versus being trained for just one specific task. Correct. Um, so, so, you know, even a doctor or a lawyer, these, these, these take a lot of brain power, takes a lot of education and so forth, but it, is, but it is still servile education. Why? Because the person is serving in that capacity. It's not so much perfecting him in himself as it is perfecting him to carry out these tasks of, 
medicine or surgery or jurisprudence or whatever for the service of his neighbor. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. I mean, it, or it can be certainly a morally good thing to serve your neighbor. Um, but the, uh, the liberal arts perfect a man as man and the virtues, of course, also. You might say the liberal arts perfect a man as man in his intellect, but the virtues perfect a man as man in his will. And for the most part, when we talk about virtues, except for a handful of virtues that, that St. Thomas calls intellectual virtues, like wisdom and knowledge, um, the, the virtues are really in the will. The notable exception to that is prudence, which, according to St. Thomas, is both in the intellect as judging mm -hmm. and in the will as commanding. So prudence has to judge. So it has to perfect the intellect as well, because the intellect judges. Uh, and, you know, there's a perfect example. Wow. How many people really aren't prudent and they think they are? Prudence has to be acquired. And one of the, when I was reading you know, years ago, and I was reading the, the treatise on prudence in St. Thomas's Summa, it really hit me how he dr drives the point home that to acquire the virtue of prudence, you need to use your memory. And I guess to make an absurd example of this, okay. If Mike, you must be, you're a Warner Brothers aficionado from way back. You <laughs> okay. must be familiar with the silly episode where Daffy Duck, is it Daffy Duck? Daffy Duck is trying to use a quarterstaff to fight somebody. And he goes, thrust, parry, you know, I forget the whole series of moves. And he ends up smashing his beak in. <laughs> I do. And, and then what he does is he goes back and says, wait a minute, thrust, parry. He tries to remember all the moves that he did. And then his beak gets smashed in again. But, yeah. So that's the funny part. But the idea is there's a perfect illustration of how to get prudence. He did something and something bad happened. And then he stopped and he said, okay, what did I do? I went A, B, C, D. Oh, it's when I hit the E part. That's when everything fell apart. So I won't do that again. <laughs> now, the man who is truly prudent remembers so this by the way requires that that we be reflexive people that we think about things we reflect on our day we reflect on things we've done and we say to ourselves you know i really messed up today when i did that how do i avoid that and th this is the kind of thing that prudence requires so um, by the way we're going to hammer on it i guess Lent is here, and that's a great time to say, okay, so you examine your conscience. That's That examination of conscience isn't just coming up with a list of what a rotten person you are. The purpose of it is so that you can be better. I mean, it's also to make you contrite, but that in itself is a virtue. So the purpose is to make you better, and so that you don't just feel like garbage today, and then tomorrow you'll feel like worse garbage because you did it all again. No, it's because if you're prudent, and prudence is the traffic cop of all the moral virtues, prudence stands in a position where it commands the other virtues. Prudence says, aha, now it's time to be meek, or wait a minute, Meekness, I want you to kind of go on the back burner and fortitude. I need you to come forward because there's a situation of fortitude that needs to be. <laughs> somebody put the cartoon in the chat room. Ah. Uh, there needs to be a. There needs to be that. Um, 
it, it's now time to be to practice fortitude. And prudence knows the difference between the one or the other. So that's what we do when we think about, you know, I got an argument today and I lost my temper. Now, when you have a choleric uh, uh, temperament like I do, this is, this is classic. This is what you're going to do uh, if you don't watch yourself. So I got in an argument. I lost my temper. Where did I go wrong? And then when you examine that and you say, okay, the next time a situation like that happens, I won't do that. I'll do this other thing instead. And I'll tell somebody, if I feel like I'm losing my temper, I'll just tell the person, look, it's not the best time to talk about this right now. Let me think about it more and we'll come back to it tomorrow or something like that. You come up with a, you might call it a trick, whatever, but you come up with some plan and that's what prudence does. So St. Thomas says prudence requires the use of the memory. Wow. Interesting. So all, all this is a perfect example of, you know, uh, uh, this is why an animal can't acquire virtues. Animals can't acquire virtues because it, it, it implies reason. It's not, it's not a matter of just doing the thing over and over and over again because you are a dog and you can run. Or because, you know, when I jump, which dogs can do, uh, master gives me the, the, the treat. So, you know, I jump higher or I do a stupid animal trick and I get the treat. That's not a habit. That's not acquiring habit. That's just doing acts that the dog can already do. But but virtues perfect man in a way that an animal is not perfectable. So, uh, so, so Jaswell asks, uh, brother, what did you call this type of anger? Huh. Hmm. What did I call it? Uh, did I refer to a specific type of anger earlier? Uh, I think uh, I may have referred to disordered anger or I don't know. Irascibility? I, I don't know. I'm sorry, Jaswell. I'm, I'm, you, you, you got me. You caught me short. <laughs> Is he asking you what did you call this kind of anger? Or, yeah, or... But the brother, what did you call what this you... type of <clears throat> anger? I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so there's Daffy Duck. He's our example of prudence or, or, or the, lack, the lack thereof. Um, but, we, but we acquire virtues by the repetition of the good act which is proper to that virtue. Um, all right. Uh, between educating man for the professions and the crafts and educating him as a person, there are different approaches. This is Brother Francis. The liberal arts of the trivium and the quadrivium uh, because they perfect man as man and they can be used in any craft or, prof or, or, or profession. Um, now, Brother Francis says the virtues are of the will and the virtues are... Um, excuse me, the virtues of the will are virtues in the highest sense of the word. And that's, I've already said it, but I didn't say it quite that well. <laughs> virtues of the will are virtues in the highest sense of the word. Uh, moral goodness is primarily in the will. So the concept of moral, by the way, in St. Thomas, really, it, it applies to behavior. Morals uh, uh, apply to, to behavior, good behavior or bad behavior. And uh, while there are, there are virtues that aren't, strictly speaking, moral virtues that are in the intellect, really, by and large, when we talk about somebody being virtuous, we're not talking about him knowing a lot. We're really talking about him um, uh, being good by way of practicing prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, faith, hope, charity. And remember, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude 
in St. Thomas's reckoning, and I'm saying remember, some of you may never have heard this, but what St. Thomas says is that for every act that man would perform, which requires some excellence, in other words, every human act that man would perform, there is required a distinct species of, 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 of habit, a distinct species of virtue. So he numbers the virtues. It's not just four. And I'm leaving off faith, hope, and charity now because we're not really talking about the supernatural <laughs> realm. We're talking about man as he is in nature. There's not just four. There are 40-something. I think he reckons 40, 45 or so distinct virtues. But we call those four virtues that we always name, prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, we call those what? The cardinal virtues. And the reason that those are called cardinal uh, it has nothing to do with the bird and has nothing to do with the ecclesiastical person that wears the red outfit that looks like the bird. What it has to do with is the, the Latin word for hinge. Cardo, cardiness, is a Latin word for hinge. Meaning, and what, the, what that means is that the way that the medieval scholastics saw it, those principal virtues are like the hinges upon which the entire structure of the moral virtues hangs. Okay. So just as a door hangs on its ver on its on its uh, um, carta, what is it? Uh, hinges? Just as a door hangs on its hinges, so the the moral edifice of man, the moral virtues of a man, all hang on those four hinge virtues. So for so for St. Thomas, each of those four virtues has other virtues that constitute its parts. And that's the way if you ever read a, if you ever read something in the Summa, you'll see he says he talks about how say chastity is part of the virtue of temperance. Chastity is temperance as it is more more closely specified to to sex rather than temperance as it applies to, say, food or drink. And you can carry that on to um, uh, fortitude. He distinguishes all kinds of different parts of fortitude. So there's uh, long-suffering, there's patience, there's endurance, there's perseverance. These are all different parts of fortitude. So perseverance is part of fortitude, but St. Thomas says that, that, that you only know if you have perseverance if you make it all the way to the end. <laughs> right, you know, right. You might practice a little bit of fortitude, and it's properly called fortitude, but unless you carry the task all the way to the end, you can't call it perseverance. So that's what. So for any good act at all, you're going to have to have some virtue, any morally good act at all, you're going to have some virtue that acts as a acts as a power that allows you to do that act, and, and contra, uh, 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 in, inversely, if you do that proper act over and over and over again, you acquire that virtue. Um, forgiveness is a part of mercy. We've got about two minutes left, brother. Two minutes. In New Hampshire. <laughs> okay, yeah. Forgiveness is part of exactly. So. St. Thomas, so the, the, the virtue of forgiveness, being disposed to forgiving other people, that's part of mercy. Yeah, I wrote something about that not too long ago. 
Brother, we got about two minutes left uh, here on uh, the, the discussion of De Almanay, lecture number four. And I suppose that we will pick up lecture number five next week on Wednesday night, March the 8th, and uh, continue on. Of course, the audio edition of this uh, recording will be available at MikeChurch.com, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, also, I'd just like to mention that there is, whether we get it live tonight or not, there is a new episode of Reconquest. Well, brother, I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm showing episode number 65. Is that correct? That's it. Bang. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like it will air tonight, uh, as was scheduled, and that, brother, uh, you, you will be treated to, to this episode. Brother, that's about all the time that we have. Any homework assignment, quick. you got about 20 seconds. Well, yeah, listen to the next episode. Oh, and look, there's a test for tonight. There's a quiz on lecture number four in the, chat, in the um, Dropbox link. So look at that and quiz yourself. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Remember, keep your app and computer tuned right here to the Crusade Channel, King Size Truth from Radio Size Speakers. Oh, Jesus.